Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. Pass swings. On the way. It's gone! It is well with my stolen Montgomery! Georgia Southern wins! Welcome to Georgia Southern Extra. I'm your host, Nathan Dominitz, the sports editor of the Savannah Morning News and savannahnow.com. We talk about Georgia Southern Athletics. We are taping on Tuesday, November 2nd. That's going to be an important date to remember, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Our guest today is Alan Blodnan from the Sun News in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Alan, welcome back to the show. You're an old pro at this. Yeah, thank you, sir. Yeah, the Georgia Southern's football team is, is, is playing host to Coastal Carolina from Conway, South Carolina, the number 21 team in the country. Uh, Coastal is um, Coastal Carolina is the highest ranked team to ever come to Statesboro to play Georgia Southern uh, at Paulson Stadium. So that's one way to look at it. Um, before we bring Alan, Alan on for a minute, we have breaking news. It uh, looks like um, what people expected that uh, Georgia Southern would be naming a new head football coach uh, at any time uh, could could happen because Clay Helton, the former Southern Cal head coach who was fired earlier this season, Looks like the front runner for that job. This is something all over the internet right now and Twitter. You can look at savannahnow.com for more updates. And uh, we're going to keep an eye on that. As we're taping, uh, Georgia Southern is expected, based on anonymous sources, expected to sign, come to a deal with uh, Clay Helton in the next day or two. Uh, the athletic director, Jared Binko, had pledged when uh, when he had a press conference about the firing of then head coach Chad Lunsford, that he would not discuss any candidates for the the vacancy until the search is done and that they've got somebody in the fold. So that doesn't seem to be the case right now uh, where they where Helton is in the fold. So we'll keep an eye on that. By the time you listen to this podcast, we'll see where things stand. But uh, for right now, Georgia Southern is uh, is scrambling. They they they, they lost to Georgia State 21-14. In a close game, uh, Georgia State not doing so hot, uh, the Panthers, but good enough to beat Georgia Southern uh, in that rivalry. They're going to call it a rivalry. Uh, I think everybody should call it a rivalry now uh, if they didn't before. Um, teams don't like each other. They're in state. They're in the same conference. They're, they're in the same division. They, should, uh, they shouldn't, like, shouldn't like each other. So Georgia Southern under interim head coach Kevin Whitley is, I think, one in four now in the conference, in the Sun Belt Conference. And they are just kind of finishing up this, out the string. Uh, every game is important, they say, and this could be viewed as a bowl game. Uh, you got the number one twenty one, the number twenty one team in the country, a team that's going places in Coastal Carolina. And I know the first thing to do is get the name right. So is it Chanticleers? Do I have that right? Uh, yes, Chanticleers. That is correct. Now, Alan, 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 they are particular about it as well. So yeah. <laughs> I, 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 and when their nickname for short is the Shants, right? Not That's the Chance. Right. No, no. So Shants. the first, the first way to look like you're not from from Coastal Carolina is to mispronounce the name. So I hope I had that right. Alan, Alan has been with the Sun News in Myrtle Beach for 28 years. Uh, he's been uh, covering, um, covering. Go ahead, Alan. Tell me again. You covered uh, Coastal Carolina the last four years, but also previously, and you were the golf writer. You still are the golf writer. Uh, covering uh, golf is huge in Myrtle Beach. If people didn't know, golf is huge. So, Alan, go ahead and give us the resume a little bit. Yeah, of course. So, um, yeah, I got here in September of 93, and uh, I've been the golf writer here for more than 20 years. I covered 
I covered Coastal in the uh, late 90s for a year or two. Um, before they got football, they got football in 2003. And right. then uh, I took Coastal's beat over again, I think in 2017, when I took it back over. Uh, about the time Jamie Chadwell got hired as an assistant coach here. Oh, so excellent timing. So you have great perspective on where the program's been, where they are right now. And this is, I guess, last year they were 11-0 and 0, uh, through the regular season, and they lost in a bowl game. But they were – how high did they get in the rankings? Like number 14? They got to number nine last year. Oh, as far as high as nine. They after, finished out around 14. Yeah, 13, after, they beat, after they lost in the bowl game, yeah. They were uh, ranked ninth after they beat uh, – Shortly after they beat BYU, BYU came to Coastal, ranked eighth in the AP poll, and uh, Coastal knocked them off, and that uh, that rose them up inside the top ten. That must have been uh, just even as a as an impartial observer, that must have been the most exciting season they've had, where they are the the darlings of the the nation. They were picked last in the preseason poll in the Sun Belt Conference, picked to finish last in their division. And they beat everybody, and it was not even – they had a close game, I guess, against Louisiana. But they, they were clearly one of the best teams in the country. Uh, and I, I, where did that come from? How did It wasn't an overnight thing, right? Well, uh, it, it kind of was. Like you said, they were <laughs> – I mean, they they hadn't had a – they'd been an FBS for three years at that point. Uh, last year was their fourth year. This is their fifth. Um, they hadn't had a winning record in FBS. They were two and six, three straight years in the, in the Sun Belt. Um, you know, so they, you know, they didn't look like they were a very good program and they were, they were struggling to transition from FCS to FBS, um, uh, with limited success. Um, and then last year, just everything came together. Um, you know, uh, a lot of it had to do that. There were really three, three kind of key factors last year. One, they remained incredibly healthy. Um, they barely, uh, had fill-ins for starters. They almost went the entire year with the same starters on offense and defense. Um, they were the least penalized team in the country, so they were incredibly disciplined. Um, and uh, and a, turn, a turnover differential, they led the nation in turnover differential. That's, so that's huge, yeah. If you can lead the nation in uh, fewest penalties and turnover differential and barely have any injuries – you know, that kind of led to their season. And then the emergence, really, the, the biggest thing was uh, Jamie Chadwell started uh, Grayson McCall as a redshirt freshman when he had two juniors who had both started a minimum of, I think, six games each. Yeah. Um, and so it was kind of a surprise start. And then this kid turns out to be, you know, one of the best uh, quarterbacks in the country last year. Uh, and this year he's continued it on. He leads the Leads the nation in uh, passer rating, completion percentage, yards per attempt. I mean, he's so he's just picked up where he left off. And so there's a lot of, you know, all those factors. This year, they're really good again because they got everybody to come back. They they lost three starters. They got right. 13 guys to come back for their sixth year. You know, they've got they've got men out there. They've got, you know. We've got 22 and 23 year old guys playing football. So I almost want to ask if any of their kids are on the team as well. Maybe a ball boy yeah. or two. Yeah, they, uh, yeah they, they definitely could have. They got some players with some kids. There's no doubt, but uh, yeah. none of them are that old. The uh, Grayson McCall is 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 uh, is worth talking about for a whole segment. Um, for one, uh, Georgia Southern didn't get to see him last year. As you recall, uh, the game was in Conway. I was there. You were there. 
It was pretty steamy out there on the field. And uh, the, the guy that maybe was the presumptive starter before get Grayson call, McCall got the call back in, I guess, August of last year was uh, Fred, um, Fred, um, his Payton. Last, Fred, Payton. Fred Payton. Yeah, Payton, yeah. a good name for a quarterback. Um, who's, who's now playing at Mercer. He, after right. McCall took the job over, uh, he transferred, and he's playing at Mercer now, Fred Payton. He, he had a very solid game against Georgia Southern. Uh, wasn't a star, but he didn't do anything wrong. You talk about a team that doesn't shoot themselves in the foot. That's one less injury right there. They don't even shoot themselves in the foot. Um, he played solid. He looked like a guy who had started some college games. And it was a close game going into the fourth quarter. I think it was tied going into the fourth quarter. Coastal Carolina won the fourth quarter clearly and scored two touchdowns and then won, won the game. Uh, at that point, totally, totally different kind of Georgia Southern team. That was a team that was competitive in every game. Uh, that was a team that had was striving to try to win the division at that point of the season. Not the same story this year. Um, but Grayson McCall's story, uh, he was – not anywhere close to the top of the depth chart when he got there, right? He was not a guy that was highly recruited. I think I heard that he he just said Army was the only team that offered, the only program that offered him a scholarship. Uh, I guess Coastal Carolina must have offered offered him a scholarship at one point, right? Yeah, yeah, they did. He 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 came on scholarship. Um, he did, yeah. But he again, yeah, you're right. He he didn't uh, he didn't come really heralded. He wasn't highly recruited out of high school. But the one thing he did was he uh, he was a starter from his uh, he was a three year starter. He may have even started some of his freshman year in high school and his high school ran a very similar offense to Coastal, mm-hmm. which not many. You know, it's a it's still it's a pretty rare offense in college football, but his high school team did run it. So he came to Coastal with, um, you know, three, four years of knowledge of that offense. Um, and that's kind of what, uh, you know, has allowed him to be so successful. He makes, he makes a lot of the right decisions. You know, it's a triple option where they, where they, you know, as Georgia Southern has a triple option, but coastal throws a lot in theirs. And, um, he makes a lot of the right decisions, both passing and running and deciding when to hand off, where to pitch. And so all that experience, he really came in as a seasoned, uh, operator of the offense. And yeah. uh, that's kind of led to him being this successful, in addition and, and, to some ability, of course. And he was a redshirt freshman last year, so he didn't talk to the media, right? So Yeah, not until right? the end of the year, yeah. Jamie had so, that, that rule. I think he's laxed. Uh, he, he's backed off that rule a bit. Um, so uh, this year, so we have been talking to some redshirt freshmen this year, so apparently he's uh, – we had a kid that get got three and a half sacks as a true freshman, and we talked to him after the game. So, okay, whatever yeah, Jamie's I, policy was, <laughs> he's, he's eased up on it for whatever. So reason. much to talk to you about, but uh, as a as the beat reporter, to have a star player really emerge, have a fantastic season where he is among the top five quarterbacks in the country in terms of passer efficiency and just all around positive statistics. And and to do, I think you did a story about him through his his high school coach, maybe family members, mm-hmm. kind of let let your readers get to know Grayson McCall. Uh, like I said, we we haven't seen him other than on the highlight reel, and for and he's what preseason offensive player of the year, right, in the conference. Yes. Yes. So to have a quarterback like that, um, well, what was your challenge writing about him without being able to talk to him? Yeah, it was exactly that. I had to um, I had to speak to other people that uh, that knew him well. And so it was his mom. I was able to talk to his mom and his high school football coach. They were the two main people that I interviewed uh, to really get to know him 
without speaking to him. Um, but obviously, if you know, if you talk to his mom and his high school football coach, who was the one who led him up through that offense, and it was his offense. And um, see, so we got both ends. We did get kind of both ends of the spectrum there. We got his football um, coach and acumen there with uh, the head coach of his football team, and then obviously the personal side was his mom. So you, you, what was your overall impression that this kid was born to be a quarterback at Coastal Carolina? Uh, he certainly loved football from the time he was a little kid. Apparently, uh, while other while other kids were watching cartoons, he was watching uh, <laughs> NFL Network reruns of football games at the age of five, and all he wanted to do was play football. So, uh, yeah, he's a football junkie from from way back, and. Um, he found the offense that really suits him, and he found it in high school, and he found it in college. Yeah, I, I if if uh, I, NFL Network did not exist when I was five years old, I'm I'm a little bit older than him. Uh, maybe we both are. Uh, so, uh, so you've got a, a a really stellar quarterback. You've got the the fun to say highly likely uh, pass receivers out there with one of the best tight ends in the country. I guess he just got. A, f- a finalist uh, for the John Mackey Awards, one of the best tight ends, likely, and uh, got good wide receivers. Um, I guess you lost what Maribel was the the running back that was lost off last year's team. But, yeah. uh, but a lot of weapons still. Yeah, really, they really only lost two guys off last year's team. To be honest, they they lost a wide receiver who was a fifth year grad guy, but he you know he was marginally productive, um, and they have plenty of depth at the receiver position. Uh, at least at that level. Um, so they lost Maribel, the running back, who had a tryout with the Bears, signed with the Bears, uh, and was on their roster for a bit. And uh, the defensive end is Teron Jackson, who yeah. was a sixth-round draft pick, and he's now playing for the Philadelphia Eagles. Just had a sack, his first of the of his career this past weekend. So, so those are really the only two guys they lost. Like I said, they got they got 13 uh, guys to come back who for their sixth year of eligibility because the NCAA allowed that. Um, so they, you know, they, they really returned almost nearly intact from last year's team. Um, and they've got, uh, which really helps their depth because a lot of the guys that should be starting now are still backups because. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So, so they've added a lot of depth. Um to, to last year's team and that's you know that's why they're uh they're seven and one and have won a number of blowout games yeah i want to talk more about them we're going to take a break now for a commercial break alan uh, please stand by or go get some lunch or something but uh, we'll come back uh, in a minute but i want to let uh, our, our listeners know that uh, we're, we're going to come back with alan blondin from the sun news in myrtle beach south carolina but uh, i want to plug the best source for local news in savannah that's the savannah morning news at savannahnow.com you want to know the latest, and we mean latest, on Georgia Southern football with the head coaching situation and just how the games have gone, both previews and coverage of the games, uh, which high school teams are hot and which are not. They're going to the last week of the regular season here in the Savannah area. Uh, how about the Savannah State Tigers? They're having a great season. Uh, they happen to be, uh, in my opinion, the second-best team in their division, which is preventing them from going to the conference, uh, the SIAC Conference Championship game. Albany State, uh, nationally ranked Albany State, is the, the best team uh, in the conference. Clearly, they won head-to-head 30 nothing. So, Savannah State otherwise is having a great year. Uh, and also, we have news, uh, features, and opinion comms. If you're not a subscriber, now's the time to try us out. You can get a full access to all the digital content for one. I just checked out the discount again today. One dollar for six months. That's one dollar 
not per month, but $1 for six months. That'll carry you all the way through the football season, well into basketball season. And like I said, it's not just sports. You get news and features and opinion. So if you want to give us a try, go to savannahnow.com slash subscribe now. That's savannahnow.com slash subscribe now and sign up. A dollar for six months. We're, we're practically giving it away. And I think Alan might share that opinion. Uh, I, the Sun News, are they giving it away for seven for one dollar for six months? Alan, welcome back. Yeah, hey. Uh, yeah, we, we are running... Um specials that are never before seen that's for sure <laughs> will they go to your house and wash your car for you or they maybe paint your uh, paint the walls of your house or something no i'll just be glad to get the paper delivered uh, <laughs> and we'll be good to go with that okay well there's a lot of stuff going on in, in conway uh just to backtrack a little bit i mean they won an ncaa baseball title there a few years ago uh, right. And uh, yeah. they have a golfer, a golfer out of CCU named Dustin Johnson. There's probably some other ones we should note, too. But Dustin, he's a, a shot guy, right? Yes. of so, course. Yeah. Years. So. Yeah. So you've got uh, it's a golf school. It's a baseball school. They got great facilities. And then, as you as you noted in the first half of the program, there's a um, there's this football team with Jamie Chadwell, who's kind of a high energy guy right he's a he's a kind of a chatty guy no pun intended but he isn't he a guy that kind of speaks his mind and kind of is a little off the cuff sometimes he says some stuff that is memorable uh he's not a we play him one game at a time you know cliche machine per se is he pretty colorful oh absolutely yeah yeah no doubt um yeah he'll 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 say a number of things he's not afraid to say things and um um, and then they have their, you know, they become pretty well known for their post-game celebrations. Right. That's what I was going towards. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, his I, idea. Yeah. That, I that's saw one idea. on Twitter is like, we win, we sing. I don't know if you know what song that was that they were singing after the last victory that they posted online. Maybe it was one of your favorites. Uh, but I, I think they were, <laughs> what's been some of the, it's a very high energy celebration. It's not just like, here's a game ball. And everybody cheers. It's like everybody's in. They're jumping around. Uh, what's the where? Where's the bar set for their post game celebrations in the locker room? I should say. Well, yeah. So this is how it works. So that what they do is they play for a uh, they play for a specific trophy every week, and that trophy it's either a trophy or a celebration in the locker room. It's all kind of tied into one, and that is that is related to the team that they're facing. So. It always has something to do with the team they're facing. So they had a when they beat the Buffalo Bulls, they had a parodied uh, a bullfight where they had a, a guy in a bullfight uh, and a bull uh, costume and a matador, right. and then they you know simulated killing the bull, and then after the uh, they beat the uh, after they beat the Arkansas State Red Wolves, they beheaded a stuffed uh, wolf with a, a chainsaw. Um, uh, subtle. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, I mean, no, they, they, uh, they like to celebrate their victories. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a weekly motivation, you know, every, they know that they're going to get to, to celebrate whatever that week's trophy is going to be, um, in the locker room after the game, if they win and if they lose, they don't get to celebrate. So it's a weekly, it's kind of a weekly motivation to keep the team looking at that one game and that one trophy and not looking ahead to anything else. And, so that that that's where all that that's where it came from. That's yeah. uh, that. Was how does that play with? How does that? 
how does that play with the opposing teams when they get wind or actually video proof of this celebration? Once again, it's in the locker room, right? It's not on the field. Everything is still very sportsmanlike on the field, right? They shake hands and yeah. and all that, sing, sing the school fight song. But in terms of their own private space, well, semi-private with the video cameras, how does that gone over? Because I can tell you, I think you, we both might recall my recollection of when they beat Georgia Southern last year in Conway, there was a, a uh, pro wrestling motif to it, right? Am I right? And yeah. and I think that 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 the 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 seed of that was Chad Lunsford, the, then the head coach of this of Georgia Southern, when when they won, he had a um, he had a um, a folding chair, a metal folding chair that he slammed to the, the 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 floor of the club, the locker room, a la pro wrestling move. Uh, with uh, uh, you know, there's a there's a story behind that with Coach Cabral. Victor Cabral is a pro wrestler, or has been a pro wrestler, or a wrestler, uh, pro style wrestler in the off season in his past. So they already had like a big fan club of pro wrestling fans, and I think that's where that move came from. It wasn't specific to an opponent. It was just a slam the re- you know do kind of a drop, elbow drop, and all that stuff. So that was kind of known as a one form of celebration. And I think Coastal Carolina picked up on that with their very ornate kind of, they had costumes and such. Right. Yeah. So yeah they had how does that and jumped off, a jumped off a, um, the corner rope kind of thing. Well, it was, it, was step, it was a step stool or whatever, but it was, a they jumped off that and onto a table where they had a, they had a, a Georgia Southern mascot laid out and, oh, they, right. and they guy came off the top rope and, you know, it was a, yes, it was a very orchestrated uh, celebration. Uh, and it was feeding off of Chad Lunsford's people's elbow that he would drop after wins. So, yeah, it was, that's the kind of thing they do. And again, it, it's meant for their own motivation. But, um, you know, once that stuff gets uh, videoed and put out there on social media, some teams may take offense. But honestly, I've asked a number of coaches and some other players uh, for other teams about it. And, you know, the, none of them seem to be all that upset. They basically all say, if you don't want them to celebrate in your locker room, then beat them. Right. That's right. Scoreboard always is the last word. And um, the uh, Coast Carolina has an interesting situation this season. Last year was all peachy. Uh, I to, that's a Georgia reference, I guess. But last year they they, they ran through the, the regular season schedule undefeated. You mentioned that huge BYU game, which was a short notice game. To their credit, they not only were able to um, – to get that game scheduled, but they were able to win it against a very good BYU team with uh, Zach Wilson, a quarterback, Dax Millen at, at wide receiver. Those guys are in the NFL now. Uh, BYU is a quality program through and through, and Coastal beat that was at the Mullets versus Mormons game. Mm-hmm. And so it was just uh, everything went their way uh, until the the the, um, the conference championship game where the uh, pandemic kind of reared its ugly head, right? So just to explain to people, because there is – some reference confusion last season there was no sunbelt conference championship game you have the east division and the west division champions play each other like a week after the regular season ends and that didn't happen because of uh pandemic protocols what within the coastal program right they were not able to play anybody right yeah yeah they they had some they had some um cases within their program and that kept them from uh, being able to play in that uh they were going to host too. They were going to be the host team because they were to on Louisiana. Yeah. yeah, and they had beaten Louisiana at Louisiana by a field goal early in the earlier in the season. So 
they were the whole school and the game was going to be at coastal, but they, um, they did have uh, coronavirus cases. They got, they got through the 11 games and they couldn't get through that 12th. And, uh, but they were all, they were good to go by the time their bowl game came around. They played Liberty, which Georgia Southern remembers. Liberty's a, another high quality team, a ranked kind of team. Uh, definitely a, a trouble, a team that maybe people don't like to play in the bowl games with a, a month's preparation. They're going to be trouble. Um, so, is, does Coastal Carolina re- regard themselves as co-champions from 2020 season, or is there some confusion still about that? Well, the Sun Belt deemed them co-champions. So when the game wasn't played, the Sun Belt called both teams co-champions. Um, I w- if anybody has a claim to being the outright champion, it would be Coastal because they beat Louisiana and had an undefeated record. So, um, but there was supposed to be a championship game that did not get played. Um, Louisiana's fans gave coastal and players, I think gave coastal some guff about it. Uh, act, you mm-hmm. know, claiming that they were trying to duck them, uh, for whatever reason. But, you know, <laughs> last year was a bit of a wild, uh, you know, the coronavirus was, uh, it made the season pretty wild. So yeah, for them to actually gotten through 11 games without any issues was somewhat surprising. Well, when I say without any issues, the reason they played BYU was because they were supposed to play Liberty that week and Liberty had to back out because of coronavirus within their program. And that's when BYU stepped in and it became an even bigger game. Yeah. It's uh, it, everything fell into place and you had, uh, we talked before uh, Jamie Chadwell, his name, uh, like Billy Napier at Louisiana, his name seemed to be in every discussion for a coaching vacancy in the Southeast. Um, ultimately Jamie uh, stayed at, at coastal where he's building a, like a, you know, maybe maybe part of it, would you say, was it wasn't a, a one year one year wonder, one hit wonder kind of thing. They're they're back and they could prove they could do it two years in a row. Uh, number twenty one team in the country. Their only loss is to Appalachian State, which is kind of like one of the the, the gold standards. Most you know over time, the gold standard program in the Sun Belt, Louisiana and and Coastal obviously are right there with them, if not a, a, a half a step ahead. But App, App State won this year, right? I've got my game straight on a last play kick. Yes, the uh, that's Coastal's loss. Yeah, that, that was the big showdown. It was, uh, you know, it was building up for weeks. Everybody kind of knew at the beginning of the year that was going to be the the determining factor in Coastal season as to what they could possibly do. You know, if they win that game and they're still undefeated, they're, they're a candidate for a New Year's Six Bowl, possibly. You right. Know? Right. I mean, they would have been ranked uh, at the time. They were 14th, so they probably would have moved up to at least 12th, possibly. So, yeah, that was the big game. And um, Coastal uh, App State played a really good game. Coastal did not play their best game, and uh, they got beat by a field goal at the end of the game. So, yeah, and that that uh, loss, that loss is going to be a, unless somebody knocks off App State. And I don't, you know, Georgia Southern could say we're a spoiler now. We're going to knock off everybody we can. App State has that head to head also has a loss, but they're, but if, as long as they win out, they've got the head to head, uh, tiebreaker, I guess, with, uh, with coastal to play in the championship game against Louisiana is going to, you know, they're undefeated on their side. So, uh, everything before, unlike last year where everything was kind of new and a lot of different on a lot of different fronts this year, it's kind of gone, not chalk exactly, not according to coastal Carolina, but it's gone pretty close where the teams that are supposed to be the best have been the best um, with a couple upsets here and there. But, uh, you know, ULM is better than expected, things like that. But 
Um, what do you think? Uh, what's Coastal Carolina's mindset um, uh, now that they're back to Saturday games after being playing some Wednesday and Thursday games? They got a Friday game coming up to end the season. But what what's their mindset about? We need some help. Last year, everything was in front of them. Now they need somebody to knock off App State, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty crazy to think in the Sun Belt. You know, if you go back and look at the history of the Sun Belt and the records that teams have won the Sun Belt with, but Coastal could go 11-1 and one and not play for the Sun Belt Championship um, right. if App State does not lose another game. So, you know, they, I mean, you know, they basically know that they have to handle their business and get some help. So, um, they're going to try to win their last four games and and hope that uh, they have an opportunity to play what would more than likely be Louisiana. Right. And um, that would be a really good game. Whoever plays Louisiana is going to be a really good game, you would assume. And then they would, you know, be able to springboard possibly to a bigger bowl if they can finish 12 and one and be ranked in the top, you know, say 20, top 15. Yeah, I think uh, for just uh, once again, we're filming, we're uh, we're taping this on Tuesday, and tonight, uh, Tuesday night, is the first college football playoff rankings. That's the ones that ultimately matter. Uh, so, um, you know, Coastal Carolina would have been in the, the heart of the, the discussion. Uh, and I, like you said, if they had beaten App State, they'd be really in the discussion right now. Because I think the Sun Belt, I think, would you agree, the Sun Belt is high, more highly regarded now. Last year was kind of a prove-it. You know, Co- uh, Commissioner Keith Hill has talked about all the statistics and trends and and uh, ways that the Sun Belt is one of the best group of five, not the best group of five conference. You can you know bend statistics different ways, but um, this is another strong campaign. Now, if Arkansas State on national TV had knocked off Louisiana, that would have been uh, an earthquake in the conference, uh, and they almost did it. Which is, it's even hard to figure when you've seen Arkansas State play this year that they're they're kind of hard to. That was hard to see coming, but the Louisiana ended up having a nice long drive to finish the game and never gave the ball back, I believe. So um, anyway, on any given Wednesday, Thursday, Friday or Saturday, maybe someone can knock off App State and do uh, Coastal Carolina a huge favor. But as far as uh, we're going to run out of time here, but as far as this Saturday, with all the upheaval at, in Georgia Southern's program, uh, they've had some close losses. They've had some bad losses. They haven't beaten anybody they were supposed to uh, lose to they've beaten two teams arkansas state and gardner webb that seems like years ago now uh to open the season they were supposed to be but everybody else that georgia southern has played who was favored has found a way to win sometimes in a big way like south alabama uh, sometimes it, it took a, a some last minute heroics like troy and uh, last saturday night georgia state scored with 26 seconds left in a tie game to win the game so georgia southern hasn't found a way to finish opponents they haven't found a way to get well ahead of opponents. They haven't found a way to keep up with really good opponents. And Coastal Carolina, they've going to, I'd say, I was waiting for them to say, we got to play a perfect game to beat Coastal Carolina. I don't think they quite said that, but they basically inferred that it's going to take a huge effort to beat a team as good as Coastal Carolina, who's, uh, as as strengths, offense, defense, special teams, uh, excellent all the way through. What do you see happening, Alan, on Saturday when Coastal Carolina comes to Statesboro, uh, maybe prepared for a locker room celebration, which I'm sure they they tip you off ahead of time on that. Now. Yeah, I, I they don't usually tell us what the celebration will be. They don't, you know, they don't want to kind of jump the gun. They right. they wait till the celebration's over. Sometimes they divulge it. Other times we see it on social media. Um, 
But no, every so every time Coastal has played a, a poor defense, uh, what you would consider a poor defense or one of the defenses that's ranked near the bottom of the uh, of the college football, they put up at least 49 points. Wow. Um, so against Citadel, Kansas, uh, UMass, Louisiana Monroe, and Arkansas State, they've scored a minimum of 49 points against those teams. So Georgia Southern's got a poorly ranked defense. Um, so right. unless they can figure out uh, a way to play uh, better and differently than they've played in most of their other games, Coastal will more than likely put up a lot of points. That's a that's a good uh, way to analyze the trend. Uh, Arkansas State, uh, yeah, has had one of the worst defenses in the country. Georgia Southern, particularly the defensive secondary, which is now more banged up. It's hard to even believe that. They're more banged up now than they were going into sat- last Saturday's game. They lost uh, Tyler Bride, who was starting at cornerback, because Derek Antine, who was their All-American candidate at quarterback, th- cornerback, their shutdown corner, he was hurt in the second game of the year, pectoral muscle tear that cost him the, his whole season. So Tyler Bride, who was a capable player, uh, suffered a concussion, a very scary tackle play, but he fortunately um, it was nothing worse than a concussion. Nobody likes a concussion, but it lo- I mean, he was taken away on a board on the back of a cart. It looked very scary. So we're, we're all um, everybody who was there and or heard about it is, is, is grateful that Tyler Bride uh, in his own words, is getting better and feeling better. But uh, he, uh, he'll he be out for this game. Their, their number one uh, defensive lineman, nose tackle, C.J. Wright, who's a senior, kind of a disruptor, kind of a, a gap filler and, and run stuffer. He's out with an, a, a knee injury. They were getting an MRI yesterday afternoon, haven't announced that. But they they figured they're going to be missing those two guys. The defensive secondary has been pretty awful, pretty uh, susceptible to big plays. And they're out. Uh, their other starting cornerback um, with Canteen, uh, six-year senior Daryl Baker Jr. has been battling injuries all year. He hasn't played that much. And even the other guy that was starting, Seth Robertson, he's injured. So they've been going with the defensive back by committee this week, which uh, maybe um, has teams licking their chops. But uh, the, the Shants have the, like the number one uh, offensive uh, team in terms of efficiency, right? When they when they have the ball, they pretty much score. Do they even have a punter? <laughs> yeah, yes, they do. They've had to use it against uh, Troy and against uh, and and against um, Appalachian State uh, and Buffalo. Sure. Like I said, Buffalo I, I played them well. Yeah, Buffalo. Uh, yeah, they they had to travel to Buffalo, and uh, that turned out to be a pretty close game for sure. Um, well, Coastal, had, Coastal did have a chance to put it away in the fourth quarter, and um, and uh, Grayson McCall threw an interception in the end zone, and then uh, Buffalo drove the length of the field after that and scored to make it a much closer game. Coastal did have a chance to kind of separate themselves in the fourth and missed that opportunity. But So that was one of the closer games, and you know uh, both App and uh, Troy gave them a little bit of trouble last week. Um, they still put up over 500 yards on him, even though – um, you would consider it trouble, but they still put up 510 yards of offense. So, yeah, um, it's going to be, uh, like I said, it's um, Georgia Southern's going to have to find something defensively or they're probably going to give up a lot of yards and a lot of points. And uh, the Georgia Southern offense uh, to try to keep up in, a, in kind of a track meet, which they were able to do, and then some against Arkansas State. It's going to be a, a much tougher time against Coastal Carolina's defense which obviously very solid uh, team as well. Well, Alan, I, I want to, we're running out, we've basically run out of time and we're in overtime now. Um, 
what what do you what's your prediction for Jamie Chadwell's future? What do you see? I I you know maybe he was uh, talked about as an SEC coach. Maybe he interviewed for one of the coaching vacancies in the off season. Do you see him uh, staying there for much longer, or is he just too hot of a commodity and has dreams and goals that he could fulfill in the next year or two? Uh, you know, I mean, if if he keeps going uh, eleven and one or whatever at Coastal. Uh, there's only so much time uh, that he'll be there. I mean, it's, you know, it's just the nature of college football. Um, you know, Coastal can only pay so much. Sunbelt schools can only pay so much. So, um, you know, he's he's making, they gave him a big raise last year. Um, and, he, you know, he's making, you know, roughly a million dollars a year with number of incentives that will probably hit a bunch mm-hmm. of them again this year. Um but yeah, you know, it's just a matter. I mean, if he keeps going eleven and one, it's a matter of time till a larger program offers him a lot, a lot of money, um, and he goes. Really, the only thing I think that kept him from leaving prior and before and, and not getting as many offers potentially as he could have had is that he's really only been uh, an FCS, uh, an FBS coach for this is his third season. So That's, wow, you know, it's not uh, you know he doesn't have the track record at this level. But uh, he's winning so much so quickly that it won't be but a matter of time. Uh, it just matter. Hopefully, for Coastal's sake, he'll be around for two or three more years to uh, make this a sustained program as opposed to a couple big-time years. Well, they are definitely uh, got the building blocks in place and uh, just a super successful run that they're on. Uh, Alan, you've been there for all of it. And uh, I really appreciate Like Like last year, we really appreciate you coming on. The podcast uh, so knowledgeable and and uh, and you know that uh, Jamie Chadwell's million dollars goes a long way in Conway. It probably <laughs> probably can have a nice house and uh, buy all the groceries he wants there. But um, the uh, yeah, I think Billy Napier's uh, making what two million reportedly. So um, uh, but uh, yeah, like I said that's a, a great uh, way to look at things. Uh, Alan, thanks for being on. I, I'll let you get back to work. Uh, so it never stops with the Sun Belt. Uh, with all we didn't even talk about expansion. Well, maybe another time we'll do that. So, Alan Blondin, thank you very much uh, for being on the show again. And uh, hopefully next year we'll we'll, we'll see if uh, George Southern and their new head coach and uh, Jamie Chadwell, we'll see what that matchup's like next year. So thanks very much. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. Uh, like I said, we're taping on Tuesday. Clay Helton appears to be the next head coach of the Georgia Southern Eagles. Uh, that may happen the next day or two or a week, uh, maybe. So we'll see how that goes when you listen to this. Uh, So everybody, thanks very much. Alan, once again, thank you. I'm going to uh, sign off and uh, we'll catch you next week. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Oh, he will. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. Pass swings. On the way. 